Welcome to the shit show of my 20s. My name's Sophia. I'm in my early 20s and man has it been full of shit shows. <laughs> it's been great. It's been career changes, industry changes, pivots, highs, lows, crying, happy, everything in between and it's been great and I just really wanted to create the show to hopefully share with you guys that we all go through the craziness of our 20s. We all go through these shit show moments and we all grow through them. And I hope that you're able to see yourself in some of these stories. And if any of these episodes resonate with you, I would love for you to share it with a friend as well as leave me a review on iTunes. It really helps. And if you want to connect with me, my Instagram's the shit show in my 20s. And yeah, without further ado, let's get going. Today's guest is Kathy. I love chatting with her. Kathy is a safety expert and former scientist. Kathy is best known for her 2.3 million followers on TikTok as the mom friend. With her signature blue dress and pearls, Kathy's content includes clever safety tips such as sleeping with the door closed can save a life and go-to lies for awkward situations. Kathy's safety safety life hacks have been covered by Good Morning America, BuzzFeed Today, and more, as well as her new book, The Mom Friend Guide to Everyday Safety and Security Tips from the Practical One in Your Squad. We go into so many incredible things in this interview from her journey on TikTok, what inspired her to write her book, safety tips in your 20s, safety while traveling, and so much more. So excited for you guys to hear this episode. Let's get started. So thank you so much, Kathy, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. So I'd love to start. Tell me about your 20s. Feel free to include any shit show moments we might resonate with. Oh, boy. Let's start there. (laughs) Honestly, thinking of my 20s, I'm not really sure how I'm still alive. Like, I have been thinking about this a lot recently, and I just don't know why I made certain decisions that I would never make today. Not all of them related to safety, but for example, one day it was like 10 o'clock at night and it was Halloween and me and my friends had like, I guess we went to a party or something. I don't know, but we were just like, let's drive to Salem. Just see what's there. (laughs) It's Halloween. Let's just go. And it was like, I don't know, four hours away or something, but we were like, let's just do this. And I I did this kind of thing all the time. And there is no way today in a million years that you would call me at 10 PM or 11 PM or whatever, and that I would go anywhere just not happening so except to bail you out like I will if it's an emergency I will bail you out but that's where I draw the line but yeah I, I just look back at things that I did and I I mean I don't especially I'm from Miami and so Miami nightlife I was out like at least four days a week until generally like 7 a.m and I just don't even know <laughs> who I was hanging out with or why it, it's I don't know Well, and I'm curious if you were to say, like, when I think of shit show moments, I think of like growth moments, like really significant moments that like there's like a before and an after. And I'm curious for you in your 20s, if there was one moment you could narrow it down to that was like a huge growth moment for you and like pivotal for your personal development. Um, I think I had, well, I had kind of a scary experience, but I don't know if that's all right. So, (laughs) so, um, there was one time I, I, I was just thinking about this actually a few minutes ago. We're living alone in Hoboken at the time. And I had gone out for like a work event or something. I ended up like meeting this guy at the bar, staying late, like drinking for, you know, a really long time, whatever. 
and he got me a cab to go home and drunk, but I wasn't like blacked out, you know, but I was, but I was really, really drunk. And I remember being in the back of this cab and the guy started driving, not in the direction of my home. I don't know exactly where he <laughs> intended to drive to, but it wasn't in the direction of my home. And so I remember like that started waking me up out of this like completely drunk state where I was like, check the doors, make sure these door handles work. Like does the back seat of this car work? And so I checked that it did. And, and then started telling the guy like, this isn't where I live. This isn't where I live. Like I just started getting like really aggressive about that, even though I was super drunk. So I don't even, but I guess it's like that fight or flight kind of moment where you get scared and like, you're able to like surpass those, the drunken stupor. Anyway, so I had him drop me off. I, I basically just got out of the car. Like when I felt like I was close enough where I could walk home safely. Cause you know, there was like highway as part of it anyways. And I remember like getting home and sitting in my shower with my coat on and everything like winter coat. And I was just sitting there in the, with the faucet falling on me. And I was like, if anything had happened, no one would know. I lived alone. I didn't like really, I wasn't communicating where I was going with anyone really. Cause it was just like a work event. Like I didn't really think anything of it. And I don't know, it just kind of like made me see things differently where I was like, I need to have like a real support system. Yeah. How old were you when that happened? I was, I guess like 22 or 23. Well, yeah, I was, yeah, I was young. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that's like the pivotal point for you where you started to like recognize how important safety was? Was that like the, the turning point? In a way? Yes. There were, there were definitely like other moments too, where things, you know, things culminate, but, and you see, you know, you see things on news that scare you or whatever in a way. Yes. But the other thing, which also happened in my twenties actually was I became a host on national TV and that's when I became exposed to like the cyber stalking aspect of it. Cause you know, I had heard of, oh, you Facebook stalk, whatever you're going on a date. Let me check out their Facebook, see what the person looks like or whatever. I had heard of that kind of thing, but cyber stalking to the point where like, they're getting like your personal email address or your personal phone number or getting, you know, showing up at your job, like, because they, you know, they found the address online from wherever they came from, like those kinds of things. I wasn't really, I guess I just hadn't really thought of it. Right. And so when I started working on national TV and you were in millions of homes, there was some unwanted attention that you like, in, well, not that you invited, but that happened <laughs> as a result of that job. And, uh, and so that's been a, a series of moments, but they just kind of all together to stack up to like one big safety and security plan. Yeah. Wow. And I'm curious, what was like your biggest lesson from being on national TV? It could be anything. It could be like a mindset shift or something you learned about being in front of people or being able to present yourself or like anything you feel like you really took away from that. Well, it, it did help me gain confidence because I, I had a little bit of like that imposter syndrome that everybody gets, you know, I got this job with no real experience. I, I had, I had kind of helped on a YouTube show, you know, but it was like a YouTube show with 50 views. Like it was not. <laughs> so I got this job with no real experience and that helped me kind of build my confidence. It was kind of like the validation that I was looking for because I was hosting a little bit and trying to do a little bit of television stuff, but I was like, am I any good at this? Like, is this practical for me to want this kind of job or whatever? And so when I got that job, basically from nothing on national TV, I was like, oh, like maybe there is something here. Maybe this is a job that I'd be good at. And so and it definitely helped me build confidence. But then that job is also where it also inspired my most popular series ever, which is Situations When It's Best to Lie. That training came from that job. 
Well, in situations when it's best to lie, I'm curious, that title is pretty um, interesting. I'm curious, like what situations are best to lie? I don't even know how I came up with that title, but I remember how the series came to be. So I had this training from this job, like working on national TV. And I remember, you know, we would get a lot of security training and they would tell us one of the things that they told it, not as much, by the way, as they should have, uh, the cyber stuff is huge. And they kind of like, just like glanced over that. But anyways, but we got some security training. And so in, in one of them, the woman was saying, you know, when you're out and about at the grocery store, or whatever, you might run into a fan who watches like your show and you know sometimes they ask like oh do you live in the area you know because they're being curious they they see that you're at their favorite restaurant they kind of just want to know it's innocent but if you answer that truthfully you might be giving away too much information you don't know you know are they then going to post it online like you don't really know what happens with that information so she had given us this go-to response which she always uses which is oh i'm just 15 minutes down the road you can adjust that, you know, a million different ways. Oh, I'm not far. Oh, I'm in town. I'm down. You know, you can kind of adjust it, which is what I've done with them situations when it's best to lie series. So that was a training we had received and I had put it in the back of my mind. I forgot about it because between COVID and everything, I hadn't even interacted with anyone enough to, <laughs> to be asked, where do you live? But I was at the grocery store one day in a new neighborhood and the guy, the cashier was recommending some restaurants and stuff. And he asked me, where do you live? Because he wanted to know, you know, to recommend the proximity of these restaurants. And when he asked me that question, I immediately went back to like that, you know, TV training of like, oh, I'm just down the road. But it inspired me to start this series. I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like, I forgot about this whole part of safety of like, these weird encounters with strangers, which, you know, may be totally innocuous and innocent, but like, you still feel weird about it afterwards. And so that's where that series came from. And I'm not even sure how I came up with the title. It just happened. <laughs> and like, I, I want to like dive into your, like your TikTok journey. Like when did you start using TikTok? Did you initially start with this idea of like, I'm going to share safety tips. Like I'm going to be the mom friend. Like, did you initially start with that or was it a different account? And then it evolved? Like how did that all come together? I think I started the same way probably everybody does, right? You're like posting your trends and whatever. You're just like doing fun pandemic boredom stuff. <laughs> but at the time, so there were two things that happened. One, there was this trend called like random things. And it started with a girl in Japan that was like random things in my Japanese home that just makes sense. And the person would show us cool things around their home. But then it became a bigger thing of random things in my American home that makes sense. Random things in my college dorm that makes sense. And so I started, I think a little bit of that. And I posted one about like random things I keep in my car that just makes sense. And it was about some safety stuff, like, you know, keeping some sugar or glucose tablets or whatever for diabetic emergencies, even though I'm not diabetic, but just in case somebody around me is and a paper cup in case of like an eye puncture wound and like just random things. <laughs> I also keep like dog food and stuff like little sample packets. So anyway, so when I posted that video, people in the comments were like, oh, you're the mom friends of the group. And I didn't even really know what that was. But then when I looked into it, I was like, oh, snap, I am. <laughs> so then I started posting like, hey, guys, it's your mom friend. And, you know, I would post little tips. And I've done that in a while. I probably should get back to that because I don't know that, that people know where the mom friend title came from. But it was definitely from the comment section. And then I didn't realize that that video of random things I keep in my car did well because people were interested in safety. Like it was like a one-off video that did well. And then I was posting other things. but. 
as I started posting more consistently, like I started realizing, oh, this is the topic that people are interested in. And I actually have something to say about this. Like I, I didn't really know that my approach or that my knowledge was any different than what anyone else had. But then I realized like, oh, wait a minute. No, like you have been in unique positions that like expose you to, to more. And so it just kind of happened organically. Mm. That's so cool. And I'm curious what else you have in your car. Like, I'm curious about what your car looks like. Well, I have a little, a little uh, trunk organizer in the back that has like my emergency kit for, you know, people, for pets, because, well, being from Florida, I would always come across stray animals. I don't really come across that in the Northeast. Um, and if I do, like they become my personal pet and I bring them into the house. But, but being in Florida, we had stray animals everywhere. And so I always had, you know, a little paper cups that I could cut down to become a little bowl of water, a little bowl of food if I couldn't catch the animal. And then I had like travel ones and I get those like sample dog food packs and cat food packs from like the pet stores. And I keep those in my car in case I ever come across somebody or even, you know, somebody who's on the street who maybe has a pet and can be, I'm like, oh, I've got it. Like, is, <laughs> I don't use it as much as I'd like to, honestly. I'd love to constantly be giving out like these pet food packets. Sometimes they go bad because I just don't use it as often. But yeah, so I have that kind of stuff in the car, you know, a little towel. Oh, and then the roadside, like actual emergency kit. You know, if your tire blows out, if your car battery dies, if you're stuck in the dark, I've got this flashlight that can literally light up the sky. It is the craziest flashlight. <laughs> so little, little things like that, glow sticks. And the, oh, and then obviously being a girl, like I have my scrunchies and my lotion, <laughs> that kind of stuff, pair flip-flop, <laughs> umbrellas. Awesome. So it sounds like your car has pretty much everything. Yes. So that's good. <laughs> Snacks. That's good. <laughs> Many times I've been caught in traffic, you know, and I'm like, I'm hungry. So I always have my little snack. Yeah, that's good. And I've with like TikTok, did it like, did your TikTok account like take off right away or was it like a gradual build or like how'd that kind of happen for you? No, you know what? It, it was pretty much right away. So in August of 2020, I was invited to be a part of the uh, creative fund or what was it called? It was called, yeah, the creators fund, something like that. And basically TikTok as of in response to the pandemic and creators being out of work and stuff, they created this fund to kind of help creators make videos and still get paid, you know, a little bit. And so I was invited to be a part of that because I had a video go viral for completely different reasons. Obviously it was summer 2020. There was like a lot of topics that people were talking about then. And so I had one about combating like microaggressions using the Socratic method, totally, well, actually somewhat related to safety because it's a way people without necessarily like escalating a situation. So it is kind of related to safety, but at the time, that's not why I was posting it. So that video went viral and that's why TikTok invited me. And so as I started posting more, part of the, the gig of being in this fund was that you were supposed to be posting like four, I think it was like four times a week or something. So it, it forced me to really start creating. And I don't know, things just kind of happened organically where people found the videos. The algorithm was much friendlier at that time. TikTok itself was pushing my videos out. Like I remember one time people got alerts. I did a video about how closing your door could save your life in the case of a fire because it, it slows the spread of a fire. And people legitimately got alerts to their phone saying like the video had dropped. And I was like, wow. So TikTok was helping me for sure. They don't do that anymore. I don't know if they ever really did that, but those were the reports that I got from people. So yeah. And you know, it's just based on how people respond and the comments and if they find it interesting, I try not to put too much 
thought on that. I actually do not look at the numbers on my account at all because it gives me a lot of anxiety. So I'll just post I find interesting. I just will not look at it again for ever. (laughs) That's good. That's good to separate yourself from the numbers and not like concentrate on them too much. Even looking at like the comments sometimes gives me anxiety, even though I don't get mean comments. The the comments are generally like questions or just people being like first, (laughs) you know, but I, I still, I still get like anxiety looking at them. And so I have to really build up my energy to my comments so I could respond to people because I know that's important, but it like takes so much out of me to do. Yeah. Yeah. And are you still creating four videos a week? Just about, I would say four to five. There's, so I have a newborn now, a two month old baby. So recently between like, you know, some parts of being pregnant and then also having the baby, like sometimes life just gets in the way. So sometimes it'll be but I would say at minimum four, unless something crazy happens. Yeah. <laughs> and do you ever run out of like ideas on videos or do you yes. like, yeah. Yeah, actually. So when I first started this, this niche, I suppose I only had 12 ideas and I was like, shoot, I don't know what I'm going to do after I finish these 12 ideas. And so I started talking to friends. I talked to one of my friends that used to work for like NSA. I talked to one of my friends that works for the attorney general in like a different state. I just started talking to them and I'm like, hey, do you guys have any ideas for what I'm supposed to talk about? Because I only have these exact 12 ideas. And and one of my friends was like, oh, don't worry. Stuff will come up. You'll start realizing it. And so two years later, I have way more than 12 ideas. And I, and you know, I've expanded, like I hadn't considered the cyber aspect. And then sometimes I just post things that are like fun, like tech stuff, like weird things that you could do with your phone that you didn't realize, you know, sometimes it's just kind of random, but I think it's cool. And so I'll post it, but yeah, but I definitely, and and when I do run out of ideas, what I'll start doing is I start reading either reading a book or I'll start kind of browsing through Reddit or Facebook or like Quora or whatever. And I'll just kind of start reading what the top things are that people are talking about. And usually as I read through something or a comment or something, like ideas will start sparking. And then once one idea sparks, another one comes and another one comes. So sometimes, for example, I have a notebook right now with like 50 videos that I haven't done. So through like this lull and sometimes I have a good idea and I just don't know how to execute it so there's like some video ideas that I've been sitting on for years because I'm like I know what I want to do but I don't know how to produce it Mm. (laughs) yeah and I'm wondering if like if you were to give like safety tips for like being in your 20s what kind of safety tips pop out to you for like specifically that decade well I think now we're really it's so it's twofold. We're fortunate and we're also kind of disadvantaged with technology, right? Like technology makes things scarier because like I said, like the cyber stalking and whatever that is much more common now than it was before. And it's like increasingly becoming a problem, you know, and you talk to strangers every single day through social media and gaming and whatever. So it's kind of, it's weird because you build trust with people and you feel like you know people that you've actually never met or even really interacted with outside of like commenting on their videos or something. But the benefit of having technology is that, you know, there's an app and we're just more fortunate that we know more now. So I would say like one of the biggest things for somebody who's in their twenties now would be to take advantage of that. You know, like there are apps that can integrate with your dating app that, you know, if you uh, are walking 
car from a class late at night or from work or whatever. You can like literally hold a button and when you release it, it would send emergency services or there's jewelry that you can wear. It's SOS jewelry. So there's jewelry that you can wear that like you push a button twice and, you know, emergency services would come or they'd call you. And so, and, and you know, these things are all things that it doesn't matter if you're 10 years old, 25, 55, like it's non-lethal. You don't need to learn any special skill to be able to like, you know, push the button. And so I would take advantage of all of that, like all of the tech that's in your phone already built in. And then if you look at like some of the safety apps, ADT has one, Noonlight has one, Invisiware has one that's integrated with ADT, Flare has one. So there's so many. Be Safe is another one. There's some that are specifically for women traveling alone abroad or only when you're traveling or only if you're a runner. Like there's so many different types. So I would take advantage of that because the nice thing about those is that first of all, you can contact emergency services, but also if your friends want to check in on you with the sharing location and all of that, they can do it through your phone, of course. But if you want to give them maybe more limited access or, or maybe access to things with more information, you know, like the apps are just great. And so I feel like whether you're going on that first date, first interview, just walking to those big <laughs> campus parking lots, like in college, you know, like those kinds of things, like I would take advantage of it. And I'd like to go deeper into like when you're going on a first date with someone. I'm curious if there's any questions you ask before you go on that date on, from the dating apps. I'm curious if there's any research you do. I'm kind of curious what you would do if you were on dating apps right now. I definitely, I mean, yes, I know the cyber stalking thing is like probably not the best thing, but I would do it just the same way everyone else does it. You know, like doing a little date because there's so many stories of people who go on dates and then like find out that the person has like a record that they would have liked to know about, you know, <laughs> like just weird things like that, where it's like, oh, they seem very nice, but they do have this weird background of assault or whatever. In terms of questions that I would ask, I, I would just, there were a lot of times that I probably ignored some red flags, right? And like dating people. And I've been in toxic relationships. And like when you're in it, sometimes it's it's really difficult to recognize that it's even toxic. And so there are things that I wish like in that situation that I would have paid more attention to. So for example, when I was dating this guy that, you know, like things got wrong, like cops were called, like he was like not a good guy. And on, there was a lot of the love bombing. Now we have a term for it. I didn't know what that was when I was dating this person, right? I had never heard of that. But like when somebody moves too quickly, for me now, that's a red flag. Like after two days, this person wanted to marry me. They were like buying me jewelry from like Tiffany's, like flying me to, well, Miami, because he was in Miami and I was in college. So anyways, like flying me for like visits and stuff like that. And I was too scared to tell my parents. So like, sometimes I would not, and I would just, you know, get on the, I'd have them even drop me off at the airport. Like I was going back home, but I wasn't, he would come pick me up, you know, like crazy things anyways. And I even did that at work. Anyway, whatever. That's not good. Don't do that. <laughs> but I feel like when somebody is like eager to move too quickly, I would think about why that might be, you know, and like very specific kind of gender role expectations that at the time I was like, Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, I would love to cook dinner for you. Like, I love that. I love cooking. Yes, but optional, like, because I want to, not because you're telling me to, you know what I mean? And a lot of like, like fighting. And I, I feel like when you look at people's behaviors, I would, that kind of eagerness. And also I'd ask them about their past. Like, how do they talk about their exes or their friends or their family? Because that can be really revealing. And oftentimes when I hear people you know, talking smack on like people in their lives, it makes me take a step back. Like, I'm like, I don't want to be a part of that. 
Yeah, those are all really great. I'm wondering what your opinion is on this. What's your opinion on like solo traveling in your 20s? So I've I've done it. It's definitely, I've done it and been scared, you know, like it can definitely be scared. There's certain countries that I would not go to solo. Like it's just off limits, right? I would do group travel. I love the group tours and I love like Contiki and what's the other one? Uh, Under, under 30, something like that. But anyways, there's like these group tours where you go with a bunch of people your age and it's actually more fun because then you could go to the bars together. You have people to do things with. Like I went to Ibiza with one of these tours and it was like, super fun. So, but I get the solo travel thing. Like, you know, sometimes you don't have friends to do things with, or maybe there isn't a group tour that's doing exactly what you want to do. I'm all for it. You, you have to take extra precautions. Like for example, I mean, I guess when I did it, I didn't really come, I, I was very prepared. You know, I knew how I was getting to the airport, what, where my flight was, how I was getting from there to the place. So it was very like structured and their safety in structure. But I've also done trips, which I was not alone. I was just with like another girlfriend where it wasn't structured. And I was like, see, that wasn't safe. Like what we did that time was not safe. And an example is like when I went to Ecuador, I was going to the Galapagos Islands. So I just had a couple of layovers in some other airports. And in one of the airports, I had a layover for like nine, 10 hours or something overnight. But I was like, that's too short to get a hotel. But, you know, so I was like, we'll just hang out at the airport. I didn't think to even look up the airport. Is there a place where you could hang out? Do they close? You know, I, I didn't look any of this stuff up. And so when we arrived, the airport was tiny. There was no place to just kind of like sit and hang out. So then last minute, we're looking for, you know, a hotel while we're at the airport, we end up at like a step above from a hostel because I didn't want to like share stuff with anybody. And it was like literally as the cab was taking us there because I hadn't planned any cab situations. But luckily, I speak Spanish, so at least. I was like able to communicate, but the guy was like, if you go there, you'll get kidnapped. If you go there, you'll get kidnapped. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to stay in my hotel. But I did, one thing that I did do was I had packed sandwiches and like snacks and stuff from the United States. So just because I didn't, I thought I was going to be staying overnight in this airport and I didn't know what the food situation was. So I had packed all of these things. So at least when I got to the hotel, I did not leave. I ate my little sandwiches in my little hotel and the hotel owners were very nice. So they drove us to the airport the next morning and then we got to like our actual destination. But even when I had arrived in like Galapagos, like we didn't have hotel plans. Like we just got there. <laughs> and and then and then we're like running around telling people like we're looking for a house that's across the street from this cafe. Do you know? Because there was like no street addresses. So anyway, so I feel like with preparation and structure comes safety. And the more research you do, the more prepared you are. So that way you're not thrown off guard when like something goes AWOL. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I'm a very structured person, so I cannot imagine not having a plan. <laughs> like just showing up in a country without a place to stay. Yeah. I don't know what we were thinking. I don't know why my mom let me go. That's a that's another question. Why didn't she ask for this information? And are there any particular countries you would recommend like for solo travel in your 20s? Well, actually, Galapagos, I, I don't know if anything's changed recently, but it was incredibly safe. Like people leave their things on like tables at restaurants and, and go away and the stuff is still there. <laughs> so that place was super safe. Also, although now at the moment because of COVID, things have changed a little bit, but, but Cuba is 
very safe. Like they don't have a lot of the things that you get in like other countries. The only thing is that because there's no banks and because, you know, like you have to be worried about, you cannot overspend. You cannot lose your money because you're stuck. <laughs> there's no place to get more money. I, well, there is a Western Union. You can have somebody like wire you. But anyways, so Cuba is a place that's very safe. And then of course, like in Europe, I mean, generally speaking, kind of like New York City, you know, I guess because I've lived in New York City, things that are similar feel safe to me. And of course, in all the areas, there's always like bad neighborhoods and stuff like that. But generally speaking, traveling is easy. And the thing that you have to worry about the most is like getting scammed, right? I haven't been to Costa Rica, but I've heard that place is like super safe and nice. And I wanted to ask you, what are your like, what are, I, I heard about like your non-negotiables for avoiding scams when you're staying in a hotel. Like what are some of your like non-negotiables there? So... I mean, I think it goes back to the preparation thing, kind of looking up what are some of the common scams in the area, because sometimes these people are really charming and really like they could just read you and you would never know that they're a scam artist. I mean, it happened to me just the other day at the door of my house and it took me about three weeks to realize oh, that was a scammer. <laughs> Like in just like retrospectively, like thinking about it. Um, and at the moment I was like having this great conversation with somebody, you know, but when you're traveling, aside from the things that have to do with, you know, hotels and making sure you're, you know, not booking like at a fake hotel and that kind of stuff, which does happen. Uh, and it's, it's pretty common, you know, but I would say for me, the biggest thing for me has been keeping an eye on like my stuff, like the pickpocket or kinds of things, or like, you know, the, the kind of distract and grab kinds of stuff that thing happens a lot. And so there was one thing that I always used as a, as a tool, which was anti-theft purses. I know they're not a perfect system. You can still like cut them or whatever. They do have like some metal mesh, but there's a guy on YouTube who showed that the metal mesh like isn't perfect. Anyways, it doesn't matter. But I use these purses because they come with like the zipper has a little lock built into it and it looks like a cute bag, you know, not like a designer bag or anything like that, but like Travelon is one of the brands that I have and it has like the RFID protection, even though most of our credit cards don't even have that anymore, but whatever, it has it. It's got like the metal mesh in case somebody tries to slice the bag. But for the most part, people are like opening zipper and like sneaking their little hands in there. And so the fact that the zipper has a little lock, you know, when you're on public transit in Paris or whatever, I've never had to deal with like a pickpocket. And I think it's because I'm always like holding onto my stuff and like my, you know, like I, plus it's got like these extra locks and things like that. The other thing when traveling is hiding valuables, like in general, for example, one time this was in Peru, it was with a friend of mine. And kept telling him, like, do not take your $1,000 camera and wear it around your neck. You look like an idiot. Please stop. And he insisted, no, it's fine, blah, blah, blah. I was like, you are going to get us in trouble. Sure enough, start getting, like, followed by, like, these, like, guys on motorcycles. Oh, this is, well, this is another travel thing. But anyways, when you see people on, like, motorcycles, that's like a grab your stuff. Hold tight. <laughs> because they're usually, I mean, not like, you know, not like the delivery guy. But, uh, like, in these other countries, when you're, like, in these plazas, big tourist destinations, that's like a big thing. So anyway, so we start getting followed by these guys and we have to like go into a hotel to just kind of kill some time for a couple of hours. Then that he still did not learn his lesson with the valuable thing. We end up taking an overnight bus to like another place and it just got stolen because he just wasn't, I don't know, he was like being a little reckless. So I feel like when it comes to traveling and scams, one of the biggest things to look out for are probably that, you know, like the the grabbing and that kind of stuff. But then also if anything sounds too good to be true, it is. So if people are offering, 
another thing that happens a lot is, and actually I come to think of it, I don't think I put this in the book, but you know, people approaching you of like, oh, come eat at this restaurant or we'll give you a discount, whatever. And then they start like doing all these surcharges. Oh, but there's a fee for the table. There's a fee because you use the plate. There's a fee for, you know, and you end up in that kind of situation, being careful of people who are giving you unsolicited help. <laughs> but then also when you, if you do get caught up in a situation like that, like don't be afraid to make a scene and get crazy and threaten to call the cops and all that all of that stuff because they don't want that either yeah wow I didn't even think about that I know my mind just starts like rattling with like different <laughs> scams that I could think of but there's there's so many basically I mean if it's too good to be true take a step back take a beat yeah yeah that's so good and what are some things that we shouldn't be like posting on social media that's a tough one okay so I know people say not to post a vacation altogether I feel like what is the likelihood that anybody is gonna do we're doing it we're doing it right so just like if you're gonna do it just be like a little safer about it so for example if you live in an apartment building with I don't know 200 apartments did get through to your doorman and all that stuff at least you know it's probably somebody you know <laughs> right um but uh but like if you're in a single home kind of situation anyways i would just say like let your neighbors know where you're going so that assuming you trust them right because then they could be there. but you know get friendly with your neighbors let them know like hey if you see anybody around my house or around hanging around like give me a call because i'm gonna be away this week or something if you trust them and then I really rely heavily on like all the Wi-Fi kinds of camera things, uh, you know, the doorbell cameras and that kind of stuff. They work for apartments and homes, but I've had situations where, you know, my my house alarm went off that there was like a, a an entry, like a break-in and I was in another state. And so through my cameras, I was able to see that that wasn't really the case. And so I called cops just to do like a quick checkup and I was able to talk to them through the cameras. And it turned out, I think that a bird just like flew into the window or something or because uh, I saw some mud on a window. So I think a bird or something flew into, flew into the window and, and that, and that it made my home think that like the alarm had gone off. But if I didn't have these kinds of cameras, you know, I would have been freaking out that my home was being broken into and I wouldn't be able or see it and know what was happening. So I feel like if you have these things, your neighbors, if you have some like Wi-Fi cameras and kinds of things to just sort of mitigate the risks. And then the other thing is posting in the moment, you don't have to do it, right? Like you could save the story. And I've seen A-list celebrities like make this mistake where like they posted it and I was walking by the restaurant and I was like, oh my God, you are there. <laughs> like that kind of thing. So, cause you expect people to post things late now, but you know, those kinds of things. And in terms of social media in general, whether you're traveling or not, there's always risk with like posting where you work, right? Like detail. Um, some people get in trouble because they're sharing too much information at work anyways, like confidential information, but sharing where you work, sharing where you're working out all the time, like sharing your favorite hiking trails or whatever. If you know, the people on your social media are not your 20 best friends and that it's a private profile, like you don't know who's looking at this stuff. And I've heard stories like from girls on my social media where people show up on their favorite hiking trail and or we'll we'll message them through social media and be like oh i'm here where are you you know and they were like happy that they posted it delayed like late because they didn't know that somebody was interested in their location and so being cautious of that and and also in general like the closet tours are very popular just know if you have 50 Chanel bags in your closet, you are inviting unintended people. I, I like looking at all the Chanel stuff too, but they oftentimes get like robbed in the like luxury community because people are looking for that kind of stuff. And like, if you don't have the, the security and all that, well, even if you have the security, they still get through, but at least you would know when they're doing it. Yeah. 
That's really good points because you think about, you don't think about like when I post my location, like what the effects are that you just kind of think of like, oh, I want to post this in the moment, but you don't really think about like who's going to see it. Right. And there, and there's mm-hmm. things that like you're, I don't know, if you want to show a little love to like your local coffee shop, fine. Just make sure that you're not there at 9am every single morning getting your coffee there because then it's really easy to figure out your routine and do other stuff. And sometimes it's very innocent. Like for example, in my, in my old neighborhood, in in New York City, you know, you're walking your dog, right? You take the same route to walk your dog. And one day, one of my neighbors went a little bit later than they normally do. And somebody who was sitting on a bench was like, Oh, you're walking later than you normally do. Just like a complete stranger. And she didn't even know that noticing this, right? Like you don't even realize it. But it just it made her realize like, okay, well, maybe I should try to switch up my roots every so often because you don't know that people are looking and it's innocent. You know, the guy was probably just, I don't know if it was innocent, but it seemed innocent because nothing happened, but you you just don't realize that people do, they pay attention. Yeah. And I'd love for you to go into a bit about like what your book's about, like what the whole, what your whole book journey has been like for you. Is this your first book? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't, I I didn't think, well, it's a guide, right? So it's like you turn to quick sections and you read about that section in a quick little bite because I'm not like the novel type of person. And even though I am very chatty, I can talk a lot. I tend, I tend to, when I write, I'm very like bullet points, like just get to the point. So anyway, so the book is kind of written that way. And I do share some stories, some of which like came up in, in the podcast today, but I do share some stories of, you know, what informed some of the tips, but basically it goes, it's a quick guide of everything that you wish somebody had told you. So I'm at my home. What can I do in my home or in my apartment? If I'm renting, if I'm owning, you know, what are some things to look out for? I'm buying a new home. I'm moving to a new place. Like what are some things to consider? And then, okay, like I'm in my car. What are some things to consider in the car? I'm traveling. What are some, the travel section has to be like the biggest section. (laughs) It's just so long. And then my, probably one of my favorite sections is the cybersecurity section, because, you know, it's not something that we've talked about, like what you post on social media and cyber stalking and things like that. And it's something that people are starting to pay more attention to now. And John Oliver, for example, just had a really great little video on data brokers and how they put people at risk. And I was one of those people that was put at risk through like my, you know, television job. But obviously, if you if you're dealing with like toxic relationships and stuff, it doesn't help in those scenarios either. And so how to protect your information from that, um, you know, it's, it's difficult to fully scrub your information from the internet. But there's a lot that you can do that I detail some of those steps in the book. And then um, I also have a lot of like types of scams to look out for and how to avoid certain things there because, you know, people think that like boomers are the ones who are most affected by scams and, you know, they fall more for the, like the grandma kinds of scams or the, you know, I'm a Nigerian prince who you, you owe I I won a lotto and I'm giving you money like that kind of stuff. But if you think about it, like social media accounts for one of the places where like phishing scams take place and it's related to like cryptocurrency or NFTs or, oh, your Instagram account qualifies for verification and all of this stuff. And the people falling for those scams are not the boomers, you know, it's like everybody. So there isn't really like an age 
like a, like the perfect age where everybody is like falling for scams. Like everybody is susceptible. And so I outlined some of the, the common ones, what to look out for, some key phrases that like, if you see any of this come through in a DM or a text, it is a no-go. <laughs> Immediately delete, block, report, all of that. Wow. That sounds like such a good guide. Like so many different topics. It sounds like really all-encompassing. Yeah, and there's always even more things that that I could probably add. Oh, there's one big topic too that people have a lot of questions about, which are the hidden cameras. So I have a little section on that as well because I, I had kids with that. It's becoming more common now, I think, than it was when say I was in my 20s. But yeah, so it's, it's just kind of like all the questions that you have. But I will say it's not in a like scary kind of, I don't talk about crimes or anything like that. And even if something can be scary, I will throw in a story that is not so scary just to like, bring it down a bit. Like I try to really keep it just positive And just like matter of fact, like these are things that you can do. You don't have to do everything. Not everything works for everybody. There are things that I don't have from, for example, there's like a, it's called a GTFO bracelet. I don't have one, but it's one of the things I mentioned in the book because it is a tool that people can have. I have other things, but yeah. So, you know, I try to keep it like really positive and light and easy to read. Mm, that's good. And I wrote the book pregnant. Wow. <laughs> that, that must've been a whole experience. <laughs> While getting my master's, I was like, I actually did have to take a semester off to focus on writing the book because I was like, I cannot be doing this. And how did you like keep, did you have any problems with like energy, like writing the book or? Yeah, because writing isn't my favorite thing. <laughs> I So I used to, I actually used to love writing. Like English was my favorite thing ever. Um, like it was my favorite uh, subject in school. I was on like the yearbook committee. I, I wrote, I don't know how many yearbooks. I wrote like uh, newsletters that were circulated like statewide. I studied journalism. So like I have a background or I guess an interest in writing. But when I sort of, now everything is very short, right? We scroll through our social media and we just like, like short, quick bites of information. And so I've kind of fallen into that. Like, that's how I like to write and deliver information. And that's what I do with my videos. Like they're short, they're eight seconds, 10 seconds, 15 seconds. And so to, to write a book <laughs> takes a lot out of me. And, and also, I mean, everything was me, like the chapter titles, even the concept for the cover, not the text on the cover like the fonts I didn't choose that but I changed the font inside the book like everything from the the little there's a the chapter titles at the bottom of the page I put a little icon next to that chapter like that was my creative decision <laughs> and so yeah I had way too much leeway with this book but it, but it did it did take a lot out of me and you know it's something that delivers something that I could be proud of and so there was a lot of talk about even design we wanted to keep it to two color to make it more affordable the four color would have made it over $20 and we wanted to keep it under $20. So, you know, there's like little things like that, like a lot went into it and it was hard and writing itself is hard. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. You're able to do all those things at the same time. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. And by the way, the whole reason why the book even came to be was because of TikTok. I had done a video on metadata and being careful when you're sending photos via text or email or anything like that. On social media, it doesn't apply because they remove the meta metadata. But anyways, so I made a video about this and Simon and Schuster saw it somebody in their marketing team or something saw it and they were randomly having a conversation and then a couple months later that that concept comes up and the video comes up and they reach out to me and it was just like one thing led to another and I when they found me I had about like 350,000 followers on TikTok I wasn't in the million yet so yeah 
and and that is by the way another section in the book is talking about like metadata and you know some of the things that have happened regarding that how to remove it like that kind of stuff but yeah the book came to be just because of tiktok that's so cool you never know who's gonna see the video and then it lands into a book and a whole another that's it, so cool it wasn't even a viral video it wasn't viral at all i mean most of my videos at that time were getting like millions of views this one got like a couple hundred thousand but nothing crazy yeah and I'm wondering what's something you're really excited about right now. It could be anything happening in your life, any area. I mean, like, well, I, this is cheesy, but, you know, having a newborn, I, I feel like I'm just like obsessed with him. I was not, I was not really a kid person. I didn't even really want kids. Like when I was like 16, I had asked my mom if I could get my tubes tied. Like I really did not want kids. But then, but then here's what changed my mind actually. My, or not that it changed my mind, but it made me more open to the idea. Obviously now my mind has been changed because I have one, but my grandma passed away at 98 years old and watching her like in these, you know, rehab facilities, nursing home kind of facilities and all of this stuff and watching how much I had to advocate for her to get something as simple as like a little like Vaseline or whatever, because the little oxygen thing was kind of like, you know, chafing against the skin. It was leaving a little mark. So something as simple as that took me an hour and a half to get her a little like cream. And, and even something like at night, they would, they would take her little table that has, you know, the phone and the water and they would put it on the opposite side of the room. Meanwhile, she was like in the bed with uh, extra structures that she couldn't take off because, you know, it was a fall risk. She was in her late 90s. And so even something as simple as bringing that little table closer to her so that if she wanted water or to make a phone call in the middle of the night that she wouldn't need to wait an hour and a half the way I had to wait for the little like Vaseline thing. So anyways, so going through this, I was like, oh my God, you really need somebody to advocate for you. And if I, of course, there's no guarantees when you have kids. I know that. I'm just hoping I'm not like a jerk and that my kid will like care what happens to me when I'm old. But yeah, so that made me like more open to the idea of like, oh my God, like if you can have family and hopefully there's no like weird like estrangement things or anything like that, which I also get because I have that in my own family. But like, it, it I don't know. It just, it made me open to the idea and then I, I wasn't so closed off. And then I was like, you know what, whatever happens, happens. And so I feel like that's the thing that excites me the most. I even, <laughs> I even spent like yesterday, I was like, what reality TV shows would I want him to be on? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like I'm just like planning his whole life fun. And he's so cute, you know, like yeah. babies are cute. I, I also never thought babies were cute. I thought they were scary. And I would never even hold one because I was afraid, like, you know, I was like, I, I don't want to touch that thing. But suddenly I'm like, oh, how cute the little baby. <laughs> it's, am <laughs> it's amazing what changes. Yeah, that's a huge change. <laughs> it's a huge change. I know. It's like pandemic. You either got COVID or pregnant. I guess that's, that's kind of what happened. <laughs> yeah. And I'm wondering what's the biggest thing he's taught you? The baby? Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, Let's see, in his small little years of his small little days of life. Actually, I've learned a lot of safety tips from him. <laughs> but I I've also learned how little sleep I need. <laughs> like, how capable I am on no sleep. Uh, you know, and I'm still learning this. I I have not mastered this, but I'm trying to learn how to like read the signs, right? Like I still don't fully get the different types of cries or fussiness. Like I don't, there's, there's, they tell you there's like some instinctual thing that's supposed to happen where you're just supposed to know what different cries are. I don't really, I haven't gotten there. I mean, I guess if something was really crazy, like he was in pain, I would know. But yeah, I feel like learning how to like read his behavior could maybe translate to other types of scenarios potentially. 
Yeah. Some emotional intelligence, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a final question for you. If you were to go back in time and talk to your 20 year old self, what would you want to tell her? God, would I inhibit the things I've done? Hmm. I would say get the hell out of some of those relationships. <laughs> like, I think I was very like serial relationship gal, you know, and like, I would have been like, no, like, cut that out. Just focus on like the girlfriends and like having like real experiences, because there were experiences that I passed up because of like these crappy relationships. And but in a way, because I didn't have like a, a strong, like, family structure for support. So I kind of was finding it in these other places. And relationships are an easy place to find that. And so I think that that's why that happened. But I, I feel like I would have just told myself, like, lay off of that, like, just, you know, like, go after what you want, be confident. It's fine. Like, these were all things that I learned over time. Yeah, I love that. And that's so true. If you can't find it somewhere, you look somewhere else to find that. Mm-hmm. So true. Yeah. And it was not, it was not good. <laughs> It did not work out that way. Like, I really wish I would have just focused on, you know, like the girlfriends and just sticking to that. But it's it's kind of hard, you know, when somebody's like bombarding you with all this like love and affection and stuff like that, it's hard to not respond to that. Like it takes a lot. Yeah. Well, I loved interviewing <laughs> you today. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this is what I feel like, you know, I know I tend to, I could talk about a million things at once and I'm like a little jungle gym in my brain. I just hop all over the place. <laughs> Anyways, if you need me to clarify anything, you let me know. Okay. No, it was good. I loved it. You hit on all the good points. It was a very eye-opening. A lot of things I didn't realize. It was very good. Yeah. And good, where, good. Where, Thank where, you. Where, <laughs> awesome. Where can we find you? Where can we connect with you? Where can we stalk you? Oh, yeah. So I made it really simple because I use my real name on all my <laughs> By the way, that's one of the things that like probably most people would not do. The only reason why I did it is because of the television job they made me. But anyhow, um, yeah, so I'm just Kathy Pedraez on everything, on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook. But obviously, I'm, I'm most active on TikTok and Instagram for the moment. My next plan is to expand a bit more to YouTube because I want to do like some longer format stuff. But yeah, but Kathy Pedraez and Kathy with a C. Actually, if you type in Kathy with a C, I feel like I'm the top one because there aren't that many. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'd love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.